and welcome to today's edition of The Bradley Hall Show. I am your host, The Bradley Hall. All right. First, I wanted to just quickly say thank you for listening. Thank you for your support. If you enjoy our content, please share it with friends and family or even strangers on social media and help us get the word out. We certainly would appreciate it. Also, if you are interested in finding out more about me and or working with me, please visit my website at www.thebradleyhall.com. Welcome back. Today, my guest is Catherine St. Clair. Catherine is the founder and the executive director of the NPE Friends Fellowship, and Catherine is joining me today to discuss all things NPE. Catherine St. Clair. She's the founder and executive director of the MPE Friends Fellowship and runs the um, MPE DNA MPE Friends Facebook group, right? That That's all? right. Yeah. So uh, I'm glad you're here. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, it's been a long time since we've had a chance to talk, hasn't it? It has. Life kind of got in the way this past year. <laughs> I'm, I'm so tired of saying what a weird year, but what a weird year. Mm-hmm. And uh, we still don't, I still don't feel normal. You? No. Oh, no. Yeah. No, I've, I've lost people this past year to a senseless virus. And yeah, it's been a rough year. It's been a rough yeah. year. It, it really has. And I think we all wanted a feeling like we, we crossed the finish line or the curtain went up or whatever. And, we're, we're just, it's just not happening. You know, I know sta- that people are celebrating states were open or whatever the case, and it, it still, it still isn't. And I don't, I, I don't, I think we're going to transition back in, transition into a new life or whatever it is. I just don't new think normal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As much as I hate saying that too, but I don't see, I just don't see a defining stop and start, you know, with what's happening. I think. Uh, yeah, I agree. Uh, I think that we're just going to have to adapt and we're going to see some changes uh, that's going to be last for years or forever, like blowing out candles on a cake. I think that's gone. <laughs> yeah, we uh, I had my wife hold my single candle yesterday at my birthday party and then I blew out the single candle. So I didn't you know, blow COVID all over their cake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. And we, um, yeah, anyway, I'm glad you're here. We've got people, um, I'm trying, I'm trying to find them. Um, if, if people, I think people are following you on Facebook and if you are, um, feel free to ask, uh, Catherine and I a question if you'd like to, we're, we're open to checking that. And, uh, I'll, I think I can manage uh, to book, do both have a conversation and check the chat. Um, I just, I, I'm, I'm glad you're here. I, it's been a year since we talked and, um, you know, so much has changed and a lot going on. And I know you've got a lot going on, so I appreciate you taking time out to do this for me. I, I just, I wanted to, to do this with you for NP awareness month. Um, and I know you feel strongly about that as well. I do. I, I am still in awe of how much our group continues to grow, even though this past year, media coverage of the whole NPE dynamic has come to a screeching halt. Uh, The only information that's out there in the internet now are old articles, old interviews, that sort of thing. And still our group continues to consistently grow, which tells me that there are still a lot of souls out there who are feeling lost, bumping around in the dark that we need to be able to reach so that they can find the same healing and comfort that we have found in our collective family of NPEs. Uh, So we're just, we're going to focus on that for the next year on trying to uh, bring about awareness, especially in this month, which is NPE Awareness Month. Uh, We've got, um, our documentary is still in the works. We're so excited about it. We saw a little teaser of it. Uh, You guys can go to my page or go to the Facebook page and see that. Um, But the documentary should be, I honestly wish I had a a date for you. I don't yet. the guy that's been working on it has been 
putting in a lot of his own free time into it. So uh, hopefully we'll be in the next few months, we'll be able to release that. Uh, and we still have some events that are starting to, to build up and starting to uh, get scheduled around the United States and hopefully even in Europe. Uh, meet and greets are starting to open again. And I'm so happy about that because there's been so much comfort and healing that comes from from being able to physically get together and connect with people. And, and it, it's kind of a calming effect, I think, for the members when they can do that because they get to see other people who are regular, healthy, normal, reasonable people out there. And it, it val just being around them validates our own stories because we realize that, okay, so I'm not, I'm not as bizarre as I thought I was. There's all these people that are really cool people who are going through the same thing I am. And it's amazing how much healing comes just from having that connection. So I am happy that uh, we are starting to see more and more meet and greets starting to get scheduled. Uh, I've just asked that everybody please still do social distancing, do whatever you can to, to uh, be careful out there when you're meeting people. I know that I'm a hugger. And that's one thing I've really missed this year is being able to hug everybody. And by God, when we have our next meet and greet, I intend to hug everybody anyway. And I'll just go home and boil my body or something. I don't know, but uh, I, I need that contact. So uh, we have a meet and greet planned uh, in Los Angeles. Uh, I think it's on Wednesday, August. What day? Hang on. Let me see what day in August that is. August the... August the 25th, uh, you can talk to Barbara Thomas about it and check the events. I will be in Los Angeles that week and uh, she's planning, Barbara's planning a, a get together for all of us. And I think so far we've got about 20 people planning on going. We'd love to have more come. Uh, and I know that we're planning another one in the Houston area in the next few weeks. I don't have the date set yet, but just watch the events and watch the events in your area. If uh, you haven't joined a group for, uh, the state that you are in, uh, just raise your hand to any of the admins or moderators and tell them where you'd like to, to be placed and they will make sure that you get there. Uh, those individual groups that are made for the regions are designed specifically so that we can plan these face-to-face get-togethers. If you're interested in that, then reach out to a moderator. Yeah, that's awesome that this, uh, these groups are opening up. I, I now that you say that, I think the last one that I went to was uh, the one in Houston after the CBS. Yeah. Because I, I know we had one here in Southwest Florida, but I think it was before that. Mm -hmm. Wow. It's been a long, it's been a long time. It's been a long, weird. And I, and I was supposed to go to the, the spring retreat. That was the last thing that you probably did right before all this broke. I mean, I think it was yes. like, like, like that two, week, days, wasn't it? two days after our last, our spring retreat in 2020, the nation shut down. We wow. just barely got it in and it was a wonderful retreat. We are planning another one. Can we talk about that? Please do. Absolutely. Okay. So we're planning our next, uh, we try to do like a conference every year, but uh, we've only done two so far and they've been very successful. This year though, I think we're gonna make it a little more relaxed. It's gonna be more like a retreat and it's gonna be in October. It's gonna be in Northern Arkansas at Petty Jean State Park at Petty Jean Mountain. One of my most favorite places in the, in the universe. Um, and I wanna share it with all of my NPE friends. It's, it's a beautiful place. It's a place that you're gonna feel the healing there. It's, uh, the air is crisp and clear and cool and the, it's, uh, just sunny enough during the days and at night it's cold enough to build a fire in the fireplace in the cabins. Uh, they've got a lodge with, with rooms that are like hotel rooms. They also have cabins available. Um, we're going to post more about that very soon. I'm sorry we haven't got the registration set up yet. I've been a little distracted with some family obligations the past few months, but I promise you I will get with Rebecca and we'll get that up on the website so you can register for it. We're going to make it as affordable as we possibly can so that more people can can attend. The uh, venue is 90 minutes drive from Little Rock, Arkansas's airport. So if it's something you think that you could do, then start planning now for, for your uh, travel arrangements. 
Uh, I know that there's a, several people who were talking about maybe trying to coordinate and rent a van together so that everyone can just ride up together if they can all show up at the airport at about the same time. Uh, but it'll be the, I think the third weekend in October, check the events that it's there on the uh, events. And it's also in, in the announcements. There's a little video that I posted of a little short hike I did when I was there last October. Um, but we're so excited about it. We're going to keep it a lot more relaxed. It's not going to be as packed with speakers as we've had in the past because we want everyone to consider it a time to exhale. And uh, we are going to have several activities planned. It just won't be as intense as the last couple of conferences have been. Um, and then I believe that Rebecca is working with a couple of people to try to plan a virtual conference in the fall also. Um, we don't have a date set on that yet, but uh, more will come about that later. Okay, excellent. What, what did you say the date was for the retreat? Uh, it's October 23rd, I think. Let me look at my calendar. Okay. Friday, October 22nd through Sunday, October 24th. Okay, okay. I, I, I can vouch that um, I went to the first one uh, in Texas and it was a weekend that that I thought I needed, and then when I was there, I, I when I left, I realized I really I really needed it. It was so good to spend time with you and everyone else and um, hear the speakers. But just you know, I, I got to meet Paulette there. Um, it, it it just really was a place to connect, just like the meet and greets. But but you know, the meet and greet, you come knowing that you have to leave in an hour or two. You know, and with a retreat, you don't you don't have to leave, you don't have to go anywhere. That, that relaxation really sets in. So um, I can vouch for that. I think it's, I think it's an amazing thing that you do, so. You know, if, if you don't mind, I'd like to share something that happened at both of the, the two annual retreats that we've had already. Please do. Uh, and, and also uh, we've done a, a cruise one summer before COVID hit too, and we're planning to do more of those. In fact, uh, I think the next one we're shooting our, our goal for is in 2022, we'll be going to Alaska. Okay. Uh, but one thing that we, that I found that was very impactful about these gatherings that are overnight like this, uh, the first retreat we had, there were a few of our NPEs that came who were women and they signed up their husbands to come along too. And the impression that I had, forgive me guys, if, if my impression is wrong, but the impression that I had were that these husbands were going along with to be supportive of their wives, but maybe their heart wasn't completely into it as much as the wife may have wanted them to be, but they were, but they were being good sports and going along with it and coming to the retreat. And by the time that our weekend was over, every single one of those husbands that came along came to me and thanked me and said, I did not realize how intense this is, how impactful this has been to my wife. I'm a little bit I'm feeling a little bit of regret that I haven't been more supportive of her, but I promise you things are changing in our home from, from this point forward. I didn't realize how traumatic this really has been for my wife until I listened to you and listened to a bunch of other people at this retreat talk. So um, when we do plan these events, we really, really, really encourage you to bring along a support person with you. Uh, your spouse, your best friend, your your mom, your your cousin, whoever whoever you want to bring, uh, we're going to have uh, information for them too. We're going to have fun things for them to do too. We want to include everyone in these uh, healing sessions, and it's amazing to me to see how much the extended families that are engaging in these activities will come back and say, wow, I didn't realize how much we needed this. I even had one husband come to me and say, I didn't, our marriage has been in trouble. And I feel like the NPE thing was damaging it further, but I promise you it's not, that's not happening. I feel like you've saved our marriage now. And that really meant so much to me to know that we're not just making a difference in the NPE's lives and learning how to adapt to your situation, but we're also helping heal the families too. So please think about bringing someone with you. Can we, can we, can we stay here for a second? Can we talk about this? Sure. This, this, this is, this is critical. And, and uh, Jody Gerard and I talked about this um, a couple of weeks ago. The, 
education is so important. And, you know, one of the things my wife said to me was, I, I, I mean, she said, I, I empathize and sympathize with you. She said, but I don't, I don't know how to help you. Now, my wife and I have been, we, we have been down a long road together and we have come to a place of, of honesty that a lot of people don't get to in their relationship. So I we were fortunate enough to develop that skill where she could recognize and say that to me. And I think a lot of what's happening with a lot of spouses and even families, I mean, the family, the extended family, this sends a shockwave through the entire family. And I think, you know, if we, we want to pick on husbands here for a second, um, if a husband, if he doesn't know how to help, he, he's going to feel anxiety and when people feel anxiety, they retreat into a defensive position. It's just what we do. And I can see it causing strain because they don't know how to fix it. They can't fix it. They want things to go back to normal. They're, they're just feeling the after effects. They want their wife to just be who they were before the discovery. And they don't know how to and, make that happen. And, and men are programmed to fix things. Yeah. They're programmed to. <laughs> I can't deny that. Uh, I can't deny that at all. And I think what the education does is, is get to to help people see things in a different in a different light, which is the conversation with Jody just went magically down a direction that we got to talk about how other you know the the siblings we grew up with the vantage point they see it from the new siblings uh, we talked a little bit about spouses um, so it's important to bring people it's important to share videos that are out there. And I, I, I try to, I, I try to do as many as I can. We're trying to educate. It's important to get people who are non NPEs to understand what we're going through because it is such a new phenomena and everyone's affected. And I think that's the thing that's most often overlooked is just how much this affects everybody in the family. And as an NPE, I mean, we, we are all at the center of our own universe. They're, they're very, few exceptions to that. And I know as an MPE, I was, I was so overwhelmed with what was going on with me that it was many months later, if not a year later, that I was suddenly like, holy cow, uh, I, I haven't bothered to ask my sister how this has affected her. Mm -hmm. she's, you know, now she's my, my half sister. I mean, she's the same person she's always been, but the dynamics are different. I, I thought she was a whole sister and now she's really half sister. And I didn't ask her how, how she felt about that. And when I asked, you know, when we started talking about that, that changed our relationship. And I think we just, we need people to come. We need to share this experience. People, we need the awareness, which is what the MP awareness is for. So I will digress. I'll, I'll, I'll step off my soapbox a little bit, but that, it's just so important. It's just so important that everybody's affected more than they think they are. So we got a question. You, uh, typed out here you want to you want to want to take a stab at this question uh where where is it i don't see it i'll, I'll read it to you okay yeah yeah so um maria asked what was the most surprising unintended consequence of the dna test as a whole in your opinion i think the most surprising consequence was that my maternal side of my family were split on their support for me being public. I just took for granted that they would all be supportive. And I was surprised uh, that there were some who felt like what I was doing was betraying my mother. And uh, there were some who felt like uh, I shouldn't have done it. I shouldn't have, have become so public or become public at all about it. Um, it's interesting, though, because I have cousins on my mother's side who were absolutely supportive and still are and are uh, very encouraging. And they they share the NPE awareness um, uh, posts that I make on Facebook. And it, it just really touches my heart to see how they seem to get it. They they seem to sympathize and understand that this is an important issue, that family secrecy should be shattered while there's another segment of those relatives who uh, have completely cut me off. And that was a disappointment that I was not expecting. But I can live with it. 
Yeah, I um <laughs> Yeah, I, that's a great answer. But we'll, I, the family the family split is something that's that's really haunting me just from a personal standpoint. And this goes it goes back to the education thing that we were just talking about, but exactly. And I think you and I will agree with on this point that what happened in the past is really not the point. It's how things are being handled from here forward. And I know your situations, uh, with, you know, with your mother is a little different, but with everybody, right? Mm -hmm. So, and I think people they get defensive and they want to defend their honor, or they want to defend someone else's honor, or they, you know. And that it was never about that for me. And, and I know I've talked, I've spoken with so many people that, and we talk about this in the group, we talk all the trainings that, that I've done, the speak, the speaking engagements that I've done. I, you know, if you, if your biological parents don't get together, you don't have it. So at some level, we have to be grateful that the circumstances were the way they were. And, and 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 that's a fact that we cannot ignore. So from there, we can mature and understand that people are people. People make decisions. Uh, this has always been going on. DNA, DNA is just now. The science is just now catching up with it. And and that they didn't have that before. People could just make specific decisions, say certain things, and go about their life, and then their secret would never get out. Um, and. People make mistakes. People make bad decisions. Things happen. We're, none of us are immune. Lord knows I've made, I can't, more mistakes than I can count on. Um, so, but it's it's from here forward. You know, it's acknowledging mm -hmm. that we have a deep scar. Half our identity is not what we thought it was. And we have to reconcile that. Even if we come back around, and most of us do, uh, come back around to the birth certificate of father that raised us. And, and you know, we reconcile all that. Whether you do, whether you don't. I uh, I absolutely believe, and maybe this is because I have a spiritual base, but I absolutely believe that everything happens for a reason. Sometimes we may go through our entire life not being able to understand why something specific happened. But then there are other times in my life that I have been blessed with being able to see the end and be able to look back and realize, oh, my gosh, that had to happen for the outcome to come to this today that, that needed to happen. But back then I couldn't understand why was this happening to us? It was, you know, a, a trying time, a very difficult time, a painful time. But then in the long run, the outcome was so beautiful, but it would have never turned out this way had not that difficult period happened. I, I know I'm being real general when I say that, but I've seen it happen over and over again in my life. And because of that, it just restores my faith even stronger that this devastating trauma of my NPE discovery had to happen for something beautiful to develop from it. And for me, one of the most beautiful things that developed from it is our DNA NPE friends fellowship community and the group that we have that we are, we're seeing healing every day. I have absolutely no doubt in my mind that lives have been saved because of our community. Um, so it had to, sometimes difficult, painful things have to happen in order for more beautiful things to happen. For me, in my situation, um, I have a very squirrely medical history. Um, I, I consider myself generally pretty healthy, but my immune system is really messed up and I've had one problem after another over the years. Uh, and several years ago, uh, it got to the point where they couldn't, I, I was constantly having to have IV, IV antibiotics for one infection or another. And it got to where they couldn't even give me a pick line anymore. <clears throat> and uh, pick line is a, a major uh, IV line set into the arm. They couldn't do it in my hands. They couldn't do it in my arms. So they did a pick lines. And after a while, I couldn't do the pick lines anymore. So my doctor said, we need to get a, you need a port. And I was like, no, no, no. Ports are for chronically ill people. I, I don't need a port. Yes, you need a port. And I fought him for three years. 
saying, I am not going to fall into that category. There's nothing, I'm not that sick. I'm fine until my NPE discovery. And my new sister uh, showed me pictures of her children and one of her children, a registered nurse, unfortunately passed away suddenly from an opportunistic infection that hit her so fast and so hard that she wasn't able to get on top of it fast enough. And it turned out that she too had a port and she too was constantly having the same problems that I've been having, which I'd never heard of anyone doing that. So it was a surprise to me to learn that my squirrely immune system was actually something genetic that I had no control over. And it was a wake up call for me. My new sister said, Catherine, don't, don't poo poo this, go get the port and take care of yourself better. And that was my wake up call. Had I not had my NPE discovery, what would have happened to me if I had not taken it more seriously? Um, so yeah, there's another good thing that came out of it. It, it very well may have saved my life. Uh, so when you're going through your NPE discovery and you feel like, you know, this is just devastating and it's horrible and it's awful and absolutely no good can come of this, just sit back and wait. This is just the middle of your story. Um, around the corner, there's going to be something good that is going to come out of it. I know because I've seen it, not just with me, I've seen it hundreds and hundreds of times in the group too. Uh, and it's, it definitely restores my faith in the fact that sometimes bad things happen for a reason. And we just have to sit back and wait and see what the universe opens up to us as to the good things that are going to come from it. Yeah, very well said. Very well said. Um, I, I like want to shut it down. <laughs> I like want to shut it off from there. Um, I don't want to talk after it, but I, Going back to the medical history, I found out um, the with my biological father that I found out that he died of esophageal complications from esophageal cancer the same week that I was diagnosed with esophageal precancer. Wow! And, and so I was still diagnosed with that. So I had that right, but then I got to see from a genetic standpoint that what it could progressed to, you know, mm -hmm. where had I not had that information and, and just gotten that diagnosis, I've been like, oh, well, you know, it, it, but then, I, but I know that genetically that my biological father died from that. And so it had a much greater impact on how I take care of myself. I, you know, that's just my, my version of that, but it's incredibly important. The medical, uh, the medical history is, is a huge aspect of that, that, uh, you know, is one of the reasons of the, the I think people need to know the truth, which is a different conversation. Uh, we don't probably don't want to get into tonight. Um, so, you know, and someone here in the comments may ask a question about why doctors are dismissive of how we feel. And I, I think, if you don't mind, I'd like to I'd kind of start to like to hit that. Uh, people, people see things from their vantage point. And it's the same reason that, that our friends keep saying, say things like, well, you know, your dad's still your dad, or, um, you know, it doesn't change who you are and that kind of thing, because the, they can't, from their vantage point, they cannot, you know, we've all been exposed to, to people who have cancer. So when someone tells us they have cancer, even if we haven't had cancer, we still have an idea of what that entails. And we can, we, we can tap into those emotions and sympathize. This is so new and so new that there, I have there my thoughts examples. on this. Yeah, please. So, so I think that this is something we can all relate to, especially in the past uh, couple of years. Um, fear comes from ignorance. And ignorance is one of the driving forces of the problems, the foundation of the problems that we see in the world, in my opinion. And I think that when it comes to why do our doctors treat us with such indifference or, or heartlessly or, or thoughtlessly, it's because in all of their medical training, they never tapped into this dynamic of the NPE experience. And the reason they didn't is because it didn't exist until now. And if you look at prejudice over the years, uh, 40, 50 years ago, people cavalierly threw around uh, horrible, horrible words and phrases that were offensive to people who were of color. And there, 
attitudes were um, ignorance. They didn't realize that that what they were saying was extremely hurtful or they didn't care because they didn't give it any thought. Uh, and they should have just taken a step back and thought about, you know, what am I saying that's hurtful? Um, it's taken years of evolution for our society and our culture to start realizing that um, those words and phrases are offensive and not just to people of color, but to people of, of alternative um, um, sexual preferences or, or, uh, or different, different nations, uh, different ethnicities, different countries, different continents. Uh, so we're starting to, to see an awakening of more sensitivity to people who are different from us. But the MPE experience is so extremely new that uh, that kind of training and that kind of sensitivity hasn't been taught. It's ignorance. Uh, and then when you don't understand it, you fear it, so you wanna avoid it. Uh, so I think that that's what we're seeing from doctors sometimes, unfortunately, is that they blurt out things that they're just not thinking about how insensitive it sounds or their or their body language is insensitive even i mean we are so hyper hyper raw that even the expressions on their faces can hurt us when we start talking about this so i think that uh, we are going to be we are the pioneers in educating the world i think it's extremely important that we do all we can to be the teachers so that the next generations won't have to go through the pain that we're going through but yeah, I think that a lot of it has to do with just uh, how much we need to assume the role of teacher to the rest of the world on this so that they do realize and they do learn that what we're going through is um, painful and it's sensitive and it is raw and it is confusing and it and we do need the same validation. You know, I don't want to compare an MPE experience to say, cancer, but that was a good analogy. Um, but when somebody says my dad has cancer, you immediately go, oh, because like you said, uh, there's somebody out there in their life that they know of that had cancer and they know that it's traumatic and they know it's painful and they know it's devastating when you lose someone you love too soon. So they have something to relate to. They don't have anything to relate to with us. Um, so I'm hoping that over, as each year goes by, we're going to see more and more sensitivity. Yeah, I do too. Um, and which is what we're trying to do here, right? Yes. I think that what we as NPEs have to do for, for all of us who are the pioneers is, God, I hate saying we have to get stronger and tough it out because sometimes it's just impossible to do that. But when we go into an, into an experience where we're going to be making that announcement, if you will, about our NP experience, whether it's to a doctor or to a a family reunion or whatever, we we need to just steel ourselves to the fact that we're going to get some reactions that we don't like and just accept it before we even open our mouths. We're going to get a reaction we don't like. And it is our job to let them know, I understand that you don't understand what I'm going through, but I'm here to tell you it is one of the worst things I've ever been through. And I need you to get on board with this, especially if they're professionals. Yeah, agreed. And and so and, and we need to, to adopt the same ideology that we're talking about. That if people if, if people react negatively, we need we need to to also be educated and not ignorant to the fact that they're being ignorant. And so when we when we start to understand that people that are, are being ignorant and their reactions are because of a lack of knowledge, then we start to not take them so personally. We start to understand it's not about us, it's about them. And then when we don't take it personally, we can take the emotion out of it and then we can react a little more responsibly. responsibly. And then we have the opportunity to educate, right? If we, we escalate into an argument, we don't get a chance right, to anybody. Right. So, so I go into the store and I have my little sister who's got severe cerebral palsy and she's in a wheelchair and she's, she looks completely different from everybody else. And people walk by and they, they, you know, don't look at us or whatever. They just walk on by and they're trying to just pretend that we're just as normal as everyone else. But their four-year-old daughter stands and stares and goes, what's wrong with her? Well, yeah. that's how we need to look at these people who, who 
who say things that are in, inappropriate to us and we're, we're offended by, we have to look at them like they're a child who honestly just doesn't know any better. And we, and we need to talk to them sometimes on that same level and say, well, she's, she's like this because of this. And we, and we need to accept that they're asking the questions, not because of judgment, but because of ignorance. It's purely their ignorance and they just, they want to learn. Um, and when they say things that are ignorant, sometimes we just need to accept that, you know what, this is no different than a kindergartner who opens their mouth and says something that just horrifies the parents and they you know, want to crawl under a desk because their child asked that question or said something. We just have to treat them that way right. and accept that, you know what, treat them like a child. Don't, you don't have to be rude to them, but you can talk to them almost like you're talking to a kindergartner explaining, well, this is what happened. And it really made me sad. Yeah. Well, and in all reality, it's the same reason that people watch Jerry Springer and they and they spend hours watching weird videos on YouTube. And because we all do it, we're all curious about things that we don't understand. And that's human nature. And, mm -hmm. You know, we understand that we're just as guilty in another capacity, another avenue, um, that, that people are all the same. And, and it, it really helps take the sting out of it. that's what I keep telling people. If you. You know, people don't want to hear compassion. They, they fear that it's weakness and that they're giving something up. But it entails just understanding that people are human and they're making mistakes and they're coming from their own angle. And it, it ends up having a positive effect on us. It takes the sting out of what we're going through because we don't take it so personally. I can't drive that home enough. And we have to, we have to, and, and it's like in your situation, if, if that happened with your sister, in a public forum and someone came up and said, excuse me, um, you know, my daughter is seven and we'd like, can we ask, would you be offended? Oh, we, we get that a lot too. No, absolutely not. We, we are, we encourage it. And Lisa loves it when kids come up and ask questions. Awesome. Uh, and, and when the parents act horrified, we tell them, no, 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 don't, don't feel bad. We're happy that they're asking questions. This is how they learn. Right. Right. And they learn to have respect and not snicker behind people's back. And Right. And it's I the same thing with the MPE experience. We just need to accept the fact that when people act awkward and they don't know what to say and they want to change the subject, it's okay for us to say, I know that this made you feel a little uncomfortable, but it's really okay to talk about it with me. In fact, I like to talk about it because I think it's important that people understand where I'm coming from. And, and segueing from that, I'd like to add in that, um, Every family is different, but in my family, uh, we were raised to think that mom and dad were up on this pedestal and, uh, you know, they never tried smoking or drinking before they were legal age. They never um, uh, did anything like even petting when they went on dates. They were always, you know, G-rated and, right. and, and we've got this, this image of our parents that are like that. And so when they fall off that pedestal. And then we have relatives like my cousins that are uncomfortable with this, who are very upset saying, you know, this is a betrayal. I, I come back and go, well, actually, I don't think of it that way at all. I think of it as this makes my family more human, my parents more human. They made boner decisions just like I do. They made choices that maybe they regret later or or they made choices and they went, you know what? I thought it was going to have a different outcome than it did, but it is what it is. Uh, and it's our responsibility to love them and accept the fact that you know, they're just as human as I am now. Yeah. And, and I feel closer to my family because of this experience, because I feel like, well, okay. So decisions were made that maybe they regret now, but at the moment they were just being human and, and that makes them more relatable to me now. Right. So yeah. I think it's important that we take them off that pedestal and, and accept that they're just more human, just like us. Yeah. Which is ironic, right? Because you think taking them off the pedestal sounds like an insult, but that's actually a compliment. To Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And Jody and I talked a lot about that, too. Um, and there are people who have different circumstances. People who are listening or going to watch this. People have different circumstances. And that. There's a lot of emotions. There's people, and, and even though we're talking about the reasonable things and the logical things and the, and the necessary things to heal, I still want to point out that uh, everyone's, your feelings and emotions are valid and you need to process them. So if you're angry, you can't just tell yourself, oh, well, 
mom made a mistake. It doesn't work that way. You you have to do them simultaneously. You have to learn to balance them. You have to keep one in mind to help process the other, but you do have to work through and acknowledge because if you don't, if you suppress it, it will come out eventually, probably in a way that you uh, you wish it had. Um, but but you're, you're absolutely right. People are people. People have been, as I said 45 minutes ago, people have been doing this for thousands of years. They're just now getting caught. And uh, and I know that a lot of people in the group we've talked to that are older um, have acknowledged their parents thought they were going to the grave with them. They never, they, I mean, you know, their parents got to be 70, 80, 90 years old and they thought, you know, this is it. Uh, and then boom, out of nowhere in the last couple of years, these DNA kits come out and everyone's just being blindsided. I, I, I think it's, I mean, it's gonna change, it's gonna change family dynamics across the board. Yes. Yeah. Um, I know, and I know there's some there's some people working on some legislation, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes, and I would love to, for us to be able to get more involved in that. I have a, a, an image in my mind of what I would like to see across the board, at least for the United States, if not every country. I would like to see birth certificate, uh, the design of a birth certificate, to be changed to show four parents four parents' names, two biological parents, biological mother, biological father, legal parent, legal parent. And I specifically say legal parent because there, as you know, there are lots of different types of families out there. There right. are parents that are two women, parents that are two men, parents who are um, gender binary. I'm not sure. I'm maybe using the wrong... I yep. may be using the wrong terminology and I apologize if I am and I please feel free to educate me. But there are um, people out there that don't really uh, embrace one specific gender. And that's why I'm thinking legal parent, legal parent would be the appropriate terminology for our birth certificates. And um, I, I, that's what I would like to see. And I would also like to see all sealed records opened for adoptions and um, donor conceptions and surrogacies. Uh, full disclosure. And another thing that I think we need to see is, and this was appalling to me, and I didn't realize this until the MP experience happened to me, but did you know that our birth certificates don't belong to us? I did know they, they don't belong to us. They belong to our parents. And that needs to change too. I think that birth certificates should belong to the parents until the child turns 18, and then the possession of it should go to the child. Um, so we need to see legislation started uh, in every single state to make that change to uh, the ownership of the birth certificates. Because I've heard so many stories about people who the biological father was um, totally wanting to get his name put on the birth certificate. The biological mother was, was into it too, but the birth certificate father said no. And if any one of the parents whether it's a biological parent or a birth certificate parent, if any one of them says, nope, we can't change it, at least in the state of Texas, they're not going to touch it. They're not going to change it unless everyone is on board to change it. And it doesn't matter if you have DNA proof. It doesn't matter that the biological mother and the biological father are agreeing to it. If that birth certificate father says, no, you can't touch it. I think that that should be obliterated. I think that all that matters is me as the person who is the child, I should be able to go and say, I want my birth certificate uh, updated accurately. And here's the proof. And it shouldn't matter if my birth certificate father or any of his existing family resists. It doesn't matter if my mother resists. Um, it should, it should be 100% ownership is mine. So I would like to see that kind of legislation started too. So I would encourage any of you who are wanting to become advocates of MPE rights to talk to your congressman and uh and i know that there are bills that are uh being passed in different states that are uh supported by lgbtq uh rights uh groups and um somebody talked to me about it, it could be that we could uh partner with some of those organizations that are getting legislation through to uh make sure that our needs are met as well. But yeah, we need to see some big changes. Yeah, so uh, so I, I didn't, when you said that 
we don't own our birth certificates. I, I didn't think that's where you were going with that. I didn't, I didn't understand that as you just explained it. Mm-hmm. That, that is mind boggling. It and belongs to our mom and our dad, the mom and dad that are on the birth certificate. They, it belongs to them. And so for anyone who listening, who doesn't, isn't an NP or isn't an, as involved in this, let's put that into some context because when a baby's born, the mother decides who goes on the birth certificate. Mm-hmm. So she just says, this is the way it is. And no one asks any questions. And they put it on there. And then obviously uh, now we have a problem when, when we, we need to change it just from an arbitrary decision that was made at birth. And there's so many factors that can come into that. Uh, some, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't want to judge those factors. There's a lot of, a lot of varying factors that can come into that. But we can see the problem here, that if someone can simply make a decision with something on a document that can't later be changed because someone else doesn't want it, that causes real problems, real problems. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be that way. I know that we get into, and we probably don't have time for this uh, tonight, but um, you know, there's the question of privacy. When people bring up that everyone should be DNA tested, then people bring up privacy. Now you have a database that goes into a federal database. Um, and, and so there is, a, there is a flip side to that. I don't have a solution for that. And that's probably, I don't either. That's probably a, another long debate that I need to be more prepared for if I'm going to actually talk about it. But I do understand that is a concern, um, you know, because people have advocated that uh, all babies should be DNA tested for this reason right here. But then obviously now you're, you're again, you're discussing a child now has had his DNA taken without its consent and it's in a database somewhere, and that's a that's a real concern for sure. Um, I think, and this is just me thinking about this right now, and I could change my mind, but I think that we should allow the status quo to continue as far as a baby is born. The parents say, "Yeah, I put my name on the birth certificate," especially if it's in a in a marriage situation, um, because usually they don't question you know, legally. It's whoever the whoever the whoever the husband was is considered the legal father. And if there's no dispute on that, then I don't think a DNA test is necessary. Um, But at any point in that child's future, if a DNA test proves otherwise, and that child is of a legal age, there shouldn't be any questioning. They should be able to just take the evidence that that adult child gives and change the, make whatever changes that the child is asking for based on the, the evidence presented. Uh, but I don't necessarily agree that DNA testing should become a standard requirement because of privacy. Uh, I, I do believe that privacy is very important, but um, in the cases where DNA testing is done and the adult child wants, wants their record to be corrected, it should happen easily and with minimal cost. Uh, because we're punished enough just finding this out. We don't need to add insult to injury by having to spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get it fixed. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, well, we're at an hour, a um, little less than that after the technical difficulties, but. Um, Do we have any other questions out there? Let me look real quick. Uh, no, but we have we have a lot of people who've joined us and are adding comments and, and I, I wanna thank you uh, all of you who are here uh, watching, I, I tagged you in the group and, and I, uh, I tagged you on my Facebook and it looks like we have a lot of our people who have joined us here. So I'm grateful for that. Um, but does anyone have any, any other questions you want to drop in the chat real quick before we wrap this up? Okay, so let, while we're waiting to see if someone has a question, another question, um, let's run down. The, you have the fall retreat planned in October, and uh, the plan is in the works for another cruise in the summer, um, this one to Alaska. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Um, was there any other events? Uh, and then the virtual, the virtual conference that, uh, that we're working on with Rebecca, uh, don't have a date on that yet, but we're hoping to do that. Uh, maybe in the fall before Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, we've got that going on. And then we have meet and greets all over the world. And we encourage you to plan one. If you don't know how to plan one, there are uh, 
instructions on how to plan one. It's not as hard as you think. Don't be intimidated by it. <clears throat> but there are instructions in the um, in the files on how to plan a meet and greet. Uh, and I encourage you to plan some for your area. Uh, let's get everybody back out and um, meeting each other again. Yeah, definitely. I know I need to get out of the house. I, I, I feel uh, like I'm going on vacation when I just take a shower and go out. So, okay, well, we, um, it doesn't look like anybody else has dropped any questions in here. Um, you know, we're getting a lot of thanks. Um, oh, so, all right, Megan's, Megan Scott has hit us with a question. She wants to know that where are, uh, you and I both, where are we in our NPE journey and how are we feeling about it? That's a good question. Also <clears throat> too. Okay, well, um, it's still at the forefront of my thoughts every day, but I just, I find that I don't wake up and have it hit me hard in the face like it did for the first two years anyway. Um, so that's, that's kind of nice to be able to start my routine and not, not have it come slamming back into me. You know, there was still so, some separation where you wake up and for just a few minutes, you forget that this happened to you. Uh, and now I think that because it's starting to integrate into my dreams at night, I'm dreaming about my two new sisters in different ways that are, you know, silly dreams the way I do anyone else in my life. And so now they've kind of integrated into my life so much that, uh, it's not a, it's not a shock to me anymore to, to, to go, Oh my gosh, that did really happen. Um, I will admit that in the past week or so with father's day coming up, and I was thinking about my daddy, who I absolutely love very much. Um, I did have a sense of sadness again that hit me like it did the first couple of years, but it was short lived. It, it was only for a few minutes. And, and I felt a very strong sense that he would be so proud of me and how I'm handling it now. And I just kind of felt like I felt a hug coming from him on that. And I know that sounds corny, but it is what it is. Um, so I feel like I'm starting to get a stronger sense of peace. And I just think that it just takes time. I mean, time heals everything. And I feel like uh, it's been four years for me now. And uh, it's getting a lot easier. And the group has so much, deserves so much credit for that. Uh, every single day I go in and I see the raw pain of somebody new and what they're going through. And I can completely relate because I was there. And all I can think is, as time goes by, it's going to get softer and easier, and it's not going to have those rough, raw edges that cut cut at your heart anymore. Um, and there's going to be some good things that are going to come out of it that you are not expecting. You just have to wait. I keep telling everyone, this is the middle of your story. None of us are at the end of our story yet. This is the middle of your story. And when it first starts, it's kind of rocky and scary and and painful, but... As time goes on, uh, good things come out of it. You just have to wait for it. Yeah, very well said. How about you, Brad? I, well, I agree. I, I agree with you. Um, and the biggest piece of advice before I get into my story, I'll kind of move back into that, is, um, and it took me a long time to learn this in my life, is don't make any rash decisions when you're emotional. Mm-hmm. It's no bueno. I mean, if you have to protect yourself, that's a different story. I'm all about self-preservation and self-protection and self-care. Um, and, and I will always, if you physically or emotionally, you have to protect yourself. That's what you should do and then figure it out. But just be careful of, you know, blowing up a bridge when, when you're angry because, um, because it's always fleeting. It will always evolve. Um, I shouldn't say always. That's a pretty strong word. Um, there are certain circumstances. So in, in my case, um, things are good. Uh, I, I have some unresolved family business that needs to be taken care of. And I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm not here to call anybody out or air any of that, of that out. Um, that's a little more personal than I want on a public, public Facebook page. But, um, for me personally, I, I, I have come to grips with everything. 
my biological father passed away. I never got to know him. And so that'll always think that that can't be rectified, right? I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, my birth certificate father has been very supportive and we've talked, we've talked through a lot of different things. Um, he's very understanding. And even things that I've said that, that I've, I've tried to go to him to make sure that when he hears things I've said, he understands that there's nothing personal behind it, that I'm processing what I'm going through and we even talk through those things. So uh, that's all good. The group has been the, the biggest catalyst for that. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge proponent all the, and all, all the, the presentations and the videos and the things I do, I always talk about, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot like AA when you finally go walk into a room and you're in a room full of people who understand what you're going through. There's nothing like it. There's just no substitute. And when you have people who have been there before you pat you on the shoulder and say, it'll be okay. And you have, you, you have you have an ideal picture of what, what, what healing looks like in front of you. And, and there's no substitute. Mm -hmm. that. It's just, it's just huge. The one thing for me that, and I will say in helping the other people, the work that I'm doing within the group and, and everything else, every time I speak helps me. And I encourage, I encourage people all the time to think about getting involved in one way or the other, because there's no better way to heal than helping somebody else heal. I, I assure you that. The one thing that sticks um, because of COVID, I, I got to meet my biological uncle, the only surviving sibling of, of my biological father. And um, he was amazing. And then COVID happened and I didn't get to meet any other family members. And I even have a, I even have a cousin who lives about 75 miles from me. I still haven't seen her in all this. And, um, and then my biological uncle, he wasn't well and he, and he passed away. And so I only got to see him once. I was, I was hoping to take my family up there to meet him and, and he unexpectedly passed away. I, I say unexpectedly, I don't think he was well for, for a while. Um, so I didn't, I didn't get to see him again because of COVID and I haven't got to meet new family members. And I, I ha they, they, are, they want to meet me. And so I need to resolve that aspect. But from a healing standpoint, things are good. I'm, I'm uh, I think about three years into it two and a half years uh, on the confirmation, about three years and, and, um, and things are good, but it's work. I mean, I do, I have to work at it. I have, there are times that I slide backwards. There are times that, that I get upset or I get angry. The weirdest thing <coughs> trigger me and set me off. And, it's, and I tell people all the time, it's part of it. I mean, we're gonna have good days and bad days, but the longer we get away, we move beyond it. If we're putting in the work, the farther we get away from the event, then the good days, far outweigh the bad news, and that's, that's what's important. Right. Uh, I got to thinking about something I, I think is rather important that I want to share with the people who are really new in their NPE experience, and I've seen this over and over again, too. Um, really important piece of advice I want to share. Uh, many times when you're going through your NPE experience, especially at the very front end of it, uh, when you're reaching out to your new biological family, uh, especially a, a parent, uh, say a father in, in many cases, it's really easy for you to say when you reach out to them, you know, I, I really want to get to know you, but I, I will understand if you don't want to get to know me and I will never contact you again. Please don't ever do that. Don't ever close the door permanently. Don't ever say, if you don't reach out to me, I'm never gonna, I, I'll, I'll never bother you again. I'm not encouraging you to bother them, but don't make the commitment that you will never contact them again, because just because you want to be kind and polite and respectful of their privacy doesn't change the fact that somewhere down the line, you may need to reach out to them again for one reason or another. And you don't want to be in a position where you're going to be breaking a commitment that you made that, oh, you know, I told you I was never going to contact you again, but huh, here I am. Um, so you can close that door and say, listen, I'm going to give you some time to process this. I'm not going to be a pest about it. Uh, I'm going to give you a lot of time to think about it, but I will be here. And I look forward to the next time we can talk. And that kind of still says that you're not going to bother them. But at the same time, you're leaving that door open for yourself. Because whether it's six months from now or a year from now or five years from now, you may find yourself in a position where you are going to want to reach out to them again and you don't want to have them come back and go, you know what? You told me you weren't going to bother me about this. 
so don't ever make the, the commitment. I will never contact you again. Never burn the bridge. Yeah, I agree with that. And there's a couple of things I'd like to add to that, if you don't mind. Um, sure. One is, is that, you know, you learn, I, I, I was in a former life, I was in sales and you learn that no doesn't mean no. I, I mean, in this context, no certainly means no in other contexts, but in of this course. context, yeah, in this context, no doesn't mean no, it just means not right now. Right. And this is a shocking discovery. And, and I think, I think we're, we're emotional. And so we we're reaching out, we're reaching out and trying to connect with people and then it scares them. It's like any, anybody ever walk in a store and then the salesman starts walking toward them and they freak out. Well, that's kind of the same reaction we're getting here when we when when we come at people who have no idea that we even exist or they thought that they'd never hear from us that they're going to pull back they're going to protect themselves and that initial contact can do that but if we handle it, like you said to handle it give it time be patient and let it I, I hear so many stories from mpes that the reaction was negative at first and then eventually they come back around with curiosity once the idea has a chance to settle maybe they, and we don't know. They might. I mean, they've got other family members involved. There's so much to think about. They have to process. Let them process it, and then then take it from there. That's you know. And always, always, always take the high road. When even if even if you're met with rejection, even if you're met with rudeness and hateful words, take the high road. And the reason I say that is because the rejection and the hateful words that you might be hearing from that side is fear driven. And eventually they're going to calm down and they're going to get curious and they're going to want to learn more about you. And they're going to be more inclined to reach out to you if they see how much grace you use in handling them when they didn't, when they weren't graceful with you. So always take the high road. That, that's right. Always. With anybody. Even if it's somebody you don't like. Because uh, they'll feel guilty. They... <laughs> They weren't as nice as you were, and they weren't as calm as you. It always feels better. The integrity always feels better. There's just no doubt about it. It may be really hard at the time, at the moment, but um, you, if you all, you always have the stand on. So, great advice. And one more thing, I want to go circle back around that you brought up earlier about anger. Um, it is extremely important that you work through your anger. Don't suppress it. Don't push it away. Don't go, oh, you know, everyone's always so lovey and kind and, and sweet in the group. And we're not allowed to be angry. Of course, you're allowed to be angry. Of course, you're allowed to have every feeling that you had. I talk about breaking plates. Find some safe uh, way of venting your anger, um, a way that won't be permanently damaging to relationships, uh, a way that won't be permanently damaging to your own psyche. But find outlets to, to work through your anger, whether it's through art or shattering plates or whatever you need to do. Go out to the gun range and, and tear up a, a, a target, whatever you need to do. But find ways to work through your anger, but, but work through it. Face it. Talk about it. Um, um, write letters and, and then put them in a drawer and then write them again and put them in a drawer. You don't need to mail them, but you can certainly get a lot of those emotions out just through writing too. Agreed. Absolutely agree. And, and I, I, I don't know if I've ever told you the story I've, I've talked about on the podcast. When I, uh, my first discovery before I joined the group, it's like a three day period of just hell. Um, I would just go out and work out and I would turn up the loudest, heaviest, I'm a heavy metal fan from way back. And I don't listen to it too often. Um, you know, I listen to reggae. I live in Florida, so I'm on vacation, permanent vacation. But um, I just, I turned on the loudest, heaviest music and I just, and I worked out and I worked my, I worked out to exhaustion just to burn it off, you know, and until I could figure out a way to, to work through a process. I wish the group helped me. So excellent advice for sure. Um, I, I love it when we get together and we can talk. Um, Me too. Yeah. So I, I certainly appreciate you um, coming on here. And, and the amazing, uh, the group is amazing. You know what it did for me. And I know what it's done for you. And I know what it's done for thousands of other people. So thank you for, for that. Uh, whether you did it intentionally or accidentally, or you just never dreamed, doesn't matter. It's here and it helps people. And, and we certainly all appreciate that. And uh, thank you for letting me be uh, a part of the group and, and, and 
evolve as a healer in the group and helping people. Um, I've, it, it's been, it's helped me as much as I hope that I've helped other people. So I'm grateful for that too. And uh, I hope to see you in the fall. I haven't worked that out yet, but. I hope so too. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, uh, okay. Anything you want to say before we go? I think I've talked enough. It's great having everybody here. And uh, you were worried we wouldn't have enough to talk about. <laughs> well, I just I, I want to thank everybody who who participates in the group, even with just a like or a love or a care. Um, if you don't feel comfortable talking or sharing, we that's okay. You don't have to. If uh, just knowing that you're there and knowing that you sympathize and appreciate what everyone's going through. It's just that energy is there. Your energy is there. And I appreciate every single one of you because you're all a part of my healing too. Yeah, very well said. With that, we'll sign off. Thank you, Catherine. I certainly appreciate you. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Have a good night. Bye guys. Bye-bye. Right,